do when you're facing challenges to remember that God is all there is? How do you apply spiritual principle in the real world? What are your daily spiritual practices? These are the kinds of questions we'll talk about in this show. Your hosts, Leslie and Tracy, will share their experiences, but also want to learn from your insights, your questions, and your suggestions. So, don't just listen in. Call us with your comments. Good, good morning, and welcome to Say Yes to Spirit, encouraging you on your spiritual path. And every week, Leslie and I, which means I'm Tracy, uh, Leslie and I come together to encourage ourselves on our spiritual path, and hopefully that encourages you as well. And what is what does it mean to say yes to spirit? What it means to say yes to spirit is to go through life enthusiastically accepting, knowing, and living your life in a way that you know you are divinely guided, you are divinely guarded, you are divinely directed to be a beneficial presence in the world. And every week, um, if this is your first time listening in, every week we select a theme that loosely guides us through through our conversation and through our sharing. And sometimes those themes are very spiritually connected on a surface level. I mean, it's just obvious. If we have a theme that is faith, it's obvious that there is a direct connection. But we have also done shows where our theme is not so obviously connected. Um, And uh, what we have found over the last year and a half is that no matter what the theme, it is somehow connected to saying yes to spirit and to allowing spirit to live and breathe and act through each one of us. And so this week our theme is love. In fact, it's the month of February. And so the whole month our theme is love because it's a big topic. (laughs) Why is it only in February we get to talk about love? It seems like we save all of our love ideas for Valentine's Month, don't we, as a culture? Well, I think that's one of the things that will come out as we talk about love today and throughout the month, that Valentine's Day is not the only <laughs> time to talk about, think about, be focused on love. Just like during the holidays at the end of the year, the whole conversation kept coming up about Christmas. Why is everybody so generous and mm, loving and right. at Christmas? What about the ele- other 11 months of the year? So I'm sure that, yeah, that we'll both keep bringing that up. So uh, last week, uh, let's connect the dots from last week before we jump into our theme for this week. And last week, our theme was passion. Passion it was. Okay. <laughs> I'm looking at that. <laughs> like, wasn't was it? Mark in your I head. think that's yeah. what the theme was. I forgot to look and double check. And that was like a whole week ago. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, last week our theme was passion. And today our theme is agape love. We're going to talk about specifically agape love. Um, and so, Tracy, will have to define agape love for me. Is it that? Is that? 
lots of love. Well, it's not romantic. <laughs> it's not romantic love. Oh, that's okay. eros love. Oh, see. So agape yeah. love is love for mankind, love bigger than yourself. Ah, love of God, love. It's love. I got gotcha. you. And so connecting that kind of love to passion is a little not not as easy as the romantic love. That would have been a really easy connect the dots. But Who said it was supposed to be easy? <laughs> it's my game. If I want it to be easy, it should be easy. Well, it uh, It is so interesting, I think, and I, my takeaway from last week was the idea of passion being on both ends of the spectrum. Passion could could be manifesting really wonderful things, and then it could be seeding things in an extreme nature in the other direction. Not that so wonderful. the same energy. It's the same energy. I really took that away. I had not thought about that, really. And so the idea of love, agape love, for any and all things, you know, I wonder if the same thing kind of, if I can use that in a negative, you know, I call it negative, lack of a better word, but, you know, not a healthy way. <clears throat> if I can be loving. I went to an Al-Anon meeting this morning, and a man said that he was, psychotically loving people, you know, just, you know, overly. And so I wonder if we'll talk about that. So that's my connect the dots there, that perhaps I'll learn something about agape love that I learned about passion that I would never have thought. Because usually I think I know pretty much all there is to know. Yeah, every week at the top of the show, Leslie thinks she knows everything there is to know. And every week at the end of the show, Leslie says, wow, I never thought about it that way before. It just never grows tired of that, do we? So, really. I think it's a way you trick yourself ah. into ever-expanding growth. By saying that I don't know or I do know. I do know. Stops the growth. No, for some reason, for you, <laughs> for most people it would stop the growth. But for some reason, for you, I know everything I need to know. And then it frees you to listen to people and then you learn something different. Oh, see? Thank you. I mean, it sound very healthy. Well, I didn't mean it to sound healthy, but that's okay. <laughs> I thought you would make up for I actually had a listener tell me over the week uh, via email that she felt the spontaneity of your laughing at me last week. That was pretty funny. And it gave, <laughs> it gave her a big, big laugh. So I thought it would be your week to be nice to me. So if you haven't listened to last week, that is that is a tease and a tag that's worth listening to the Passion Show to hear Tracy Brown do the most spontaneous thing I have ever heard her do. So there's your idea for archives. You can always go back and listen to any of the shows in archives. So <laughs> Okay, so that's our Connect the Dots. Let's take a little one-minute break, and then we will come back and talk about love.
welcome back. You're listening to Say Yes to Spirit. That was my best radio voice. <laughs> that just sounded... Welcome back. Very listening sultry. <laughs> so, Say Yes to Spirit with Leslie and Tracy encouraging you on your spiritual path. And our theme this week, this whole month, is love. And each week we will look at a different type of love. Agape love, eros love, philia love, and self-love. What's philia love? So uh, agape <laughs> love is love like we all learn in the big picture, love for the world, love for humankind. Mm. Um, Mother Teresa is often given as an example mm. of selfless love. The Agape International Spiritual Center with Michael Beckwith mm. is called Agape because of the concept of Agape love is love for all okay, people and all things. I like that. Um, Eros love is love in terms of chemistry, relationships, romance. How I always think Erotic. of love. There's more than that. Okay, uh, good yeah. to know. Mm-hmm. And philia love, spelled with a P-H, is really that these are these first three are the Greek kind of from a Greek foundation of mm. types of love. I did catch that. Yeah. And so philia love is really about affiliation. So it's the love with your family and friends oh. or the, the close relationships you have, the affiliations you make. And so we'll talk that week about how we exchange love with people other than our romantic oh, relationship. Nice. Okay. That's the third week. Right? That's the third week. And the last week of the month is self-love. Because, you know, it's so amazing how we always talk about love outside, you know, what we yeah. give away. Mm-hmm. And in every one of those conversations I've ever been in, at some place along the way, it's like, yeah, it's so easy for me to do that, you know, to love my sister or to love my parents. I mean, they may drive me crazy, but I know I love them. But why do I sabotage myself? Why do I do things that are not in my own self-interest? And so self-care, self-love, you know, do you love yourself and how does that show up? And Al-Anon would teach me that I can't really fully love anyone else until I love myself. I love myself. Yes, it was tempting to start with Yeah, I was thinking we should say that, but that's interesting because you're right. It usually is the last thing we think of, and we think we're being so altruistic about that, but truly not. So that would be a good one. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. So tune in this whole month of February, or if you can't tune in live, listen to the archives every week, because I believe it's going to be a very interesting month. And focusing on agape love first, it makes me think you did a, um, and it's a familiar thing, but I, I heard it actually first in a workshop you did two years ago at Center for Spiritual Living where you talked about what would love do. You did a workshop during the month of February a couple of years ago, and that was one of your themes to look at all throughout the week. And, you know, we have the what would Jesus do, what would love do, what would Buddha do. Do we have what would Buddha do? We should have what would Buddha do. Yeah, when... It Buddha do. It kind of... It's <laughs> a more fun thing it's to say. It's a fun to say, right. Well, with Buddha, yeah, but actually, yes. I've been in a part of meditation group. Oh, they, yeah. Okay, very yeah. good. Yeah, you well, what would Buddha do? Just what would your Buddha do? nature say to yes. you? What would Buddha do? And that is a powerful question to ask. It's so simple. Mm-hmm. And that's why I love, you know, really when you drill down spiritual living... Mm-hmm. It is quite simple. It's the essence of all things. And if we did that, what would love do all the time, every day? There'd be no question. <laughs> she tried to talk like twice. 
she we have to have a camera. She like opened her mouth and I was like, No, no, I'll I'll forget. I'm forty nine. If I don't speak it all the way through, it'll be over before I can come back to my thought. So So, um speaking of what would love do. Yes. Um, did you see the cookies last week that Brandy made? Did Brandy at the Center for Spiritual Brandy Living make some cookies? Brandy at the Center for Spiritual I Living Dallas made cookies last week, and there were two different mm-hmm. designs. And one of the designs had like a quad, you know, cross bars to make a quadrant, four quadrants. On a two, cookie? On a cookie. Oh, there were big cookies. Okay. And on a cookie, and then she had the letters WWL. For what would love do? You're kidding! Not a cookie. Yeah, they were really good. I love them. Yeah, she runs a cookie shop. So Brandy, if you're <laughs> listening, I love your cookies. You can bring more anytime. What would love do on a cookie? Yeah. So just the initials. Uh huh. But that's what it stood for, and they were different colors, and it was really pretty, and the cookies were really good. Okay, back to the show. <laughs> so. <laughs> And what but, would love do? But absolutely, I that's one of the things. What would love do? Loving its, I was going to say generic form, but it's more than that. Loving its essential form, which right. is different than generic form. In oh, its yes. essential form, mm-hmm. in its purest form, in the pure awareness of God itself, what would love do? What would God's love have you do in that moment or have you say in that moment? It isn't it if we, you know, always struggle to come up with words to describe God or spirit, is it has it been the word love that people kind of fall back to in terms of if I had to describe spirit or God, that would be the word that I would use would be pure love or love, the essence of love, like you said. I believe I personally believe this is not just from, like, research, I'm not quoting a specific author, but from all the things that I've read and all the classes I've taken, I believe I would agree with that. that and part of the reason is because um, when you look at all of the major traditions, and I don't just mean, like, the top three or five, but, you know, all of the major traditions, they all have a version of what in English or in um, Western Christianity we talk about as the golden rule. Right. You know, love your neighbors as yourself kind Mm -hmm. of thing. And that was one of the things that I I knew before, but then that I had actually researched when I did that class, when I taught that class a couple of years ago, and Mm. that there were actually, you know, you could go to the text of all these different faith systems and there would be a key tenet or a key lesson that was used in that faith practice over and over and over again that basically was that same message. You know, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as God loves you. You know, treat others the way you would want to be treated because that's a loving thing to do. It's um, it was remarkable. And I wonder if there is something about the soul of our fabric that starts... The fabric of our soul? The fabric of our soul, the, the soul. <laughs> yes, because, okay, the fabric of our soul. Because I'm thinking the, the fabric as the human race, so the soul of the human race. See, that was good. You helped me 
describe that better. Okay. So the soul of our human race, the soul of our oneness. Okay. The soul of our oneness. If we lose sight of that we are one and that we do ha- do our, you know, we are kind of um, instructed is not really the right word, but by our pure nature, we're supposed to be, you know, doing unto others as we would have, do, if that's in, in every major philosophy and religion. And if we're not actively doing that, are we tearing apart the soul of our mankind or our humankind in terms of, you know, a lot of the things that are going on now in American politics and just in the world in general, if even 20% of the time we were truly embodying the idea of love my neighbor as myself, things would be so very different. So it seems like we've got the pendulum so far to the other side. I wonder if, because it seems like almost odd man out to be concerned about my neighbor right now or odd man out to reach out and say, you know, until everybody is fed and happy and clothed and loved, nobody can be fed and happy and clothed and loved. And so it seems like there's just an interesting, not that we ever talk about politics, but I just can't help myself this week. But it just this, it seems like the spirituality of our, of our, or the, the spirituality within us is not, in my mind, being lived out through us 100% of the time. And certainly my little piece of the pie, I can say I don't live it 100% of the time, but I fake it really better than most of these people are faking it. <laughs> okay, at least I appear to be living it, even when on the inside I'm like, no, I'm not going to give that homeless man a dollar. No, I need that dollar more than him. No, yeah, it should be me first and everybody else second. You know, I go ahead and give the dollar, you know, kind of thing. So, I I really am tracking with what you're saying. Um, and I, what struck me is that our icons, our models, our people who have mass visibility aren't necessarily consistently modeling it. Mm-hmm. And so it makes us believe in this day and age because of the way the media is and because, you know, the Internet, the TV, and everybody is seeing what is happening anywhere in the world in seconds, seeing or hearing about mm-hmm. it. You know, I don't think that the percentage is, is so significantly different than it might have been 50 years ago. I think oh. when you think about... Ew. People living there. <laughs> well, always been. Ew. Well, no, I don't mean it quite that way. I mean, like, I think yes. Overall, society has shifted to a place that is less grounded in love, especially in the United States. And I think that's partially happened because, you know, TV and then all the technology that's been developed over the last twenty years. We see the bad faster, we see more of the bad, and then that begins to shift people's thinking about, well, I can get away with this, and I could do this, mm. and, you know, whereas 50 years ago, mm-hmm. the shift didn't happen as much. There were individuals, and sometimes they were people who were who were in positions of authority, but 
the average everyday person like you and me would not really have any contact with that. And we would, if we lived in St. Louis, Missouri, we didn't know what what happened an hour ago in Philadelphia, right? Or an hour ago in China, or an hour ago in L.A. or Alaska. And so if we had this teaching, whatever our faith practices are, and we were trying to live it out every day with the people who we came into contact with, nobody really knew if we did or didn't except the people right around us. And I think what happens today is you can choose to do that, I can choose to do that, but we don't get confirming evidence. Yes that other people are doing that. But you yes. and I both know people yes. who are doing that and who are doing their best and who really work to stay grounded and who choose to operate from love. And they all know people. And, you know, it's like I still believe the majority of people in the individually US individually live from that place. But we're not the ones who have the platform. We're not the ones who get picked up on the news because it's not sensational. And we've trained our, our society, we've trained each other. It's not news unless it's bad, unless it's death, unless it's discrimination, unless it's something hurtful, harmful, or competitive. And it's interesting, you're a computer wizard, Tracy Brown, so you should create something. I've often thought about this and I've talked to people at different institutions trying to get them to create something in terms of having a a holding space on the internet for people to share serendipitous stories or stories of where, you know, an angel experience or someone did something for them right at the moment they needed it or a feeling that they showed up right at the moment that somebody else needed it and to be able to have a, a venue for people to share these stories. Because right now, like you say, we are so inundated with these opposite stories. And I've, I've thought for the last year we need to have somewhere where people can share these stories so you don't feel like the odd man out to say, oh, gosh, I had this most well, fabulous experience today. There are a lot of folks who've done that with their blogs or with, oh, really? see, or with their Facebook pages. <laughs> or, but, see, that, but that's the point. It, you have to go out and search for it and wow. look for it. And then, you know, even in this day and age, there might be 200,000 people who are feeding to that site. And, you know, you know to get go there yeah. and you get fed by it, but it's not the norm. It's right. not, you know, and then if you even gave that link to 50 people, you know, what maybe maybe five would actually go? Right. We just don't have time. It, well, because we tell ourselves we don't have time. We, you know, oh that's nice. Oh that's important. And so it is really. Wow. Um, I, I think a, a big part of it is if we lived simpler lives and if we didn't have all the technology. And as you just mentioned, I mean, I love my technology. Yes. So I'm not really willing to give it up now. But I think it does feed into us not living agape love as as well or as consistently as we could, unless you're making intentional choices. Yes, and I think it does. You know, I um, 
did a lot of work back in the day. The psychiatric hospitals, we had music therapists. And it was fascinating to watch. They would hook the young kids up, the adolescents up to biofeedback machines, and they would play different kinds of music, music with different messages, different beats, different um, words. Mm -hmm. And the biofeedback machine would absolutely show how hateful messages or, you know, negative messages played in, in, and lit up different parts of their body and did different things to their heartbeat and their bloodstream and all those things. And I've noticed for myself that if I watch a ton of CNN, which I love CNN, I don't like really the Internet kind of thing, but I do like myself some Anderson Cooper. And, um, you know, the CNN or the news shows or listen to different talk radio shows that just will drive me nuts. I can get all worked up, and yes. it affects my overall energy, my overall mood. And, and so I've actually had to kind of take myself out of the news cycle on and off over the last few years in terms of kind of detoxing from that. Yes. Because it takes away my, the essence, the purity. I think, it, it, like you say, at, at our core, we all have this this natural movement to do the loving thing, but if we're so bombarded but outer messages that that's not the norm or that's not, you know, you have to take care of number one first or yeah. don't give up something, you might need that later kind of thinking, then I really do think that uh, it, it can, I'm not going to say it absolutely, it doesn't block, it doesn't change that inner drive, but it certainly can probably take the stream and make it go to the left a little bit and, and get off course. Well, yeah, because when we talk about, you know, um, from a spiritual perspective that each one of us is directly connected, is is one with right. with spirit itself, with the creator itself, and that each one of us has been created in the image and likeness of the creator. And so in that oneness, we really can never be separated, but by our choices and our actions, we may act or behave or for that as if we're separated. We may forget that we really are separated. I mean, God didn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. We're just, instead of looking right, we're looking left. I mean, you know, it's kind of like that. So um, I, I think you're right that it is about our intentional choices, and that's why that what would, what would love do activity mm-hmm. is so powerful because it reminds us, and like you put yourself on a CNN diet. I mean, that's that was the main reason that, geez, it's been 20 years, I guess, when I pretty much stopped watching TV. Wow. Well, no Anderson Cooper? Well, I said pretty much, <laughs> okay. not totally. Um, but literally, you know, it was like, okay, I have TVs, but they don't have to be on all the time. Right. You know, they don't have to, you know, I would listen to CNN headlines and the weather when I was getting dressed, but I made sure it wasn't the very first thing that I did. You know, I would meditate first, be in the right frame of mind, mm-hmm. and then, you know, after I take a shower and I'm choosing what to wear, it's like, okay, what's going on? Where am I going out in the world? Or just the weather. Mm-hmm. Um, and... And pretty much I wouldn't turn my TV on very much back then for anything else. And then here, you know, since I moved here, um, I had cable for a while. I have 
data, like, or I had cable for a while, and then I was like, no, this is ridiculous. I'm, it's just too much negative stuff coming in. And uh, um, then I didn't have cable or satellite for a while, like years. And I'm in an area where unless you have a special antenna or cable or satellite, you can't get reception. No law and order SUV. So that's a good story <laughs> because then a few years ago I got satellite because um, one of the cable networks was coming out with a show called Black and White and because I do diversity work where they took a family who was black and they threw makeup. And I remember that, yes. They made them white. Yes. And sent them out into the world and they yes. took the white family and threw makeup and everything they made them black and put them in, you know, certain situations. And it would, and they promoted this for like three months before it was coming out. And I was like, you know, with the work that I do, I, I have to see this. Because who knows if they'll ever make it, you know, it might mm -hmm. be three years or 50 years before it's available. So I got satellite because of that. And for whatever week, how many ever weeks, you know, six weeks or whatever it was on, I watched it every week. Well, the challenge became, but then I would watch Long Order. <laughs> or then I would watch something else. And so after when, and that was okay in the first, you know, month or so. But maybe six months later, one day I was sitting on my couch and I watched either Law and Order or the Marathon. You're right. And I realized I had been sitting on my couch. For six hours. And what's wrong with that? There's something wrong with watching that? Watching. It was like, in, no. In CIS. Well, I had work to do. That was what was wrong with it. <laughs> um, and like two days later, I was like, okay, this service is done. I don't care that I have to pay a penalty fee for, you know, ending the contract early or whatever. Now, see, you just brought out so many interesting things there in terms of how does a negative behavior get out of control, you know, how does it get to the point, I have a friend that would tell me, um, you know how you get a frog to stand in boiling water, let me see how this is, you get a frog to stand in boiling water, so you put them in a pot of cold water, right? and then you just slowly turn the heat up, and by the time it's boiling, they don't even really understand until they're dead, kind of thing, isn't that terrible, as a vegetarian, I should not use that example, because I'm very visual, and now I see this poor little frog. Okay, anyway. So, but the idea being that it gets, you know, you slowly branch out. And that is always the case. When people come into therapy, they always sit down. The first thing they say is, I don't know how I got here. Right. And they act like they got here today. They right. act like this happened yesterday and now I'm here. How did this happen? Well, you know, look back over the span of the last 20 years of your marriage. That's how you got here. And so... How do we change? You know, how do we stop and really become aware of where here is, and then kind of break that back down to where do we want to be? And usually, it's like you did. You just pull the plug and pay the fine, and you know, it, it has to be kind of this dramatic thing of, oh my goodness, you know. Right. This is not who I want to be in the world, and I can choose that. And and I think a lot of our our shows go back to that, what are we choosing and what do we need to do to take ourselves off of automatic right? and be intentional about our choices 
until we get to the point where our new automatic is the love-based choice in this case, since we're talking about love. Right. God is love, and I am of God, and so I am love. I choose to be love in the world. And that awareness thing is that first step. You know, it's the first step in 12-step programs. It's the first step of any kind of psychological change is being aware. And I swear it would be so much fun if we all had little reality cameras that we could watch ourselves. I just think, and I am doing some family therapy with somebody, some people right now that I swear to you, if I could just put cameras up, if we could just put cameras up in all areas of their health, they would stop this stuff immediately when they saw themselves they'd be like oh no that can't be i'm not that person right but we're so unaware we you know our tolerance for our bad behavior quote unquote bad behavior has become so great that we just can't even really you know understand how how far down the path and certainly i'm way down the path myself at various times i have um, have had friends have to point out to me, and I think there is a spiritual practice to that, that friends point out to friends, you know, you are way off the path. You are, you, you know, your depression or your behavior or your attitude or your language or whatever it is, I think there's a lot to be said for reaching out to the people around us and saying, you know, this is what I see happening. And if we don't do that, then again, that's kind of one of the accountability factors of being in the whole, of being in a community of healthy people. Do you have anything you want to share with me, Tracy, about things that I'm doing badly that you would help me with? <laughs> well, what, when you it's said that... It's not enough time in a day! When you said that, what, did, what it did trigger mm-hmm. was we have all kinds of friends, and what friends do I have that I know have that I know they know they have permission to do that with me. Mm. Because see there's a there's a difference between mm-hmm. a friend who feels it's their responsibility to tell you and to remind you that you're off path mm-hmm. when you're not ready to hear it mm-hmm. and you haven't invited it. There's a you know, it's like but there's a difference if I've said to a friend mm-hmm the kind of relationship we have, I really, like if you say I'm doing something or giving me feedback, I'm going to really stop and listen. That I'm going to make myself nice, be defensive, I'm gonna, because it's you telling me. Mm-hmm. Five other people could tell me and I would just dismiss it. So I think it's, it's have I created the environment with my friends? Which friends have I done that with? So they know that I'm, Holding, I'm ask, I'm expecting them to hold me accountable and give me feedback, versus me as the friend saying, "Well, I'm your friend, Leslie, and so you know I think you ought to hear this." <laughs> you don't think I should do that with everyone? Is well, um, and so I people what, might hang up on me, Tracy. Like, I, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was, oh that, that was good. That was good. Um, Tracy, as for those of you who did not listen last week, had a little situation where a friend hung up on her. And I don't know that you were necessarily giving unsolicited advice, but perhaps you were just giving ideas that she wasn't ready to hear, he or she. Yeah. And um, either way. Either <laughs> you got hung right, up on. Right. I think that's so funny. Um, so 
Yeah, I think it's it is interesting. It's another way that you and I are different because you are much more likely to walk up to someone who you consider a friend and say, "Boom." Have you noticed lately? You are, and I am much less likely. Have you noticed? I just say you you are. Yeah, that would be more accurate. Uh, And I am much less likely to do that. Yes. um, Or to and and it's neither way is better or worse, it's just really different. So that's what that triggered. So agape love. Agape if, love. If I have that true agape love for the whole world, I would, see, I don't know, I just am into the idea that I would be much more into people's business. <laughs> Does that almost give me permission? No? Well, this is why we are having this conversation today. <laughs> I mean, if I, the agape love, the love of all things equally, of all people. Well, if you if were just, in agape love, you'd have no judgment. Is that judgment? Yes. <laughs> if I see something that needs helping? Or yes, because you've determined that it needs help. Oh, no, there's person. some really obvious <laughs> some people just said you think it's judgment every time. <laughs> okay, fine. Well, but it is an interesting concept of love your neighbor. There's some. Is there not judgment there? They need loving. No, because the the most essential impulse of God itself is love, which is why I'm going to share some of the examples of that from other um, from the world's religions, from different religions, and how they how they talk about that. And if that's the essential nature of spirit, if that's the essential nature of the creator to give and to give life and to give love, um, then it's not a judgment that it's needed. It is just a statement of what is. Love is the essential nature. Love is the essential action. So what would love do? Love would make comment on someone's life? What would love do? Would love not make comment? Love would have no judgment and would it's, not well, you're, need. You're assuming judgment is comment. Comment is judgment. You're making those. No. So that's no. I, I, there's a difference between observation <laughs> and judging right or wrong, good mm. or bad. It, and and that I mean I because I'm so clear about that because that is, becomes a really big thing in diversity stuff all the time. When people say, "Well, I just I'm colorblind." No, you're not. You see color if you if you unless you're blind. You, <laughs> I mean, you know, right, right. Unless you're blind, you see color. You see skin color. You right. see all of that. It's what judgment are you attaching to it? So don't you know? Say I don't see it. Say that when I see people of different skin tones, I make sure that I get to know them and don't assume Make I know assumptions. I don't assume I know what they're like or what they're about because of their skin tone. Or I don't assume, you know, it's, right. and a lot of times the assumptions we make can be good or good assumptions or bad assumptions about that person. But I see someone like me, mm-hmm. I might make an assumption that they're just like me and so they're good people. That has no more merit than seeing someone with a different skin color or skin tone and assuming that they're dangerous. Mm-hmm. So so I think, you know, from this perspective of love and what would love do, 
Love would see that this is a person who is, through his or her choices, I mean, I can even see this person is struggling because of what they're saying. You know, they're struggling with their addiction to drugs. If I am acting from love, how do I interact with them? I interact and I hold their truth as a perfect being of God. I may ask them how I can support them. I won't go to them and assume this is what you need to do. You need to be doing this and you need to get to an AA meeting and you need to do this. So if I'm acting from love, what would love do? You know, I would let them know that I see them as whole, perfect, and complete. And and I would ask, what would they like in terms of support? Right. And that would be reaching out at a level that they would receive. Correct. As, as your theme for the year, to the level that we are able to receive. That's what we get. Is what we get. Yeah. And, you know, that doesn't mean that you never put boundaries around yourself. So if that person who is an addict, even though they may want, they are saying they want to change their lives, their life, um, and that's my, you know, that's, that's a person who is related to me or that's a person who I've known for 20 years and I knew them 20 years ago in college and, they were, you know, we were really good friends. And they want to come and crash at my house for six months because, you know, they've been evicted. But they've also been in, arrested three times for theft because to feed their addiction. I can still set a boundary that says, you know, I'm really sorry, but you can't live in my house. Right. That doesn't mean I don't love you and I'm not acting out, you know, in a way that's not loving because it may not be good for me to enable you. You know, but if I have a couple of kids or even if I live alone, I may not <coughs> choose to have that person live in my home. Could I help them find a place to live? Yes. Could I do the research to give them give them some options to choose from? Yes. I could still act from love. And I wonder if acting from love is different for everyone to some extent. Like Acting from love wouldn't always look the same. It would be dependent on the person acting. On the person acting and the person receiving, yes. I think it is. I think that's part of the reason why um, our lives are as complicated as as they are because we often look for a recipe. If it's A, then you add B. And and you you always get get C. But if there's 7 billion people in the world... 7 billion different A's. There are 7 billion different A's, and then when you combine, make the combination with 7 billion B's, you know, you got an unlimited number of combinations. And, and so for me, what happens is that question, what would love do, always becomes very relevant because I can't live my life from a script what would love do expressed as you? And I think that's in a big moment. thing in this moment. I think that's a big thing. Now that I'm going to Al-Anon meetings on Saturday mornings, we're going to get lots of Al-Anon wisdom in I've our radio show. Have you noticed that pattern building? But, you know, Al-Anons, we tend to go out there and, and see what somebody else did and think, oh, that's the right, you know, I have to do it a certain way instead of getting really fully in touch, not in any kind of 
you know, outside in kind of way, but inside out, really, who am I authentically and how does that express? And for some reason, this part of this, Patch Adams, did you see that movie? It's a true story of a Dr. Adams, Dr. Patch Adams. He was the first doctor, I guess in the 60s, to really kind of take a personality with medicine and really reached out to his patients and did different things. And he was in Harvard Medical School or some big big medical school, and he was, you know, almost kicked out because he, you know, would bring patients into his home or, you know, he would go into their home. He did all these things outside of the norm of what doctors did. And he was so fabulous and made such an impact on people's lives. And there was a female medical student that he was in love with, and she was really by the book, and he always encouraged her to go outside the book and do things differently and reach out to people. And this and this is a true story. A man called her that was in peril, and she went to try to help him, and he ended up being a serial killer, and he killed her. She was in his home. And so Patch Adams went through this whole according to the movies, which must be right, right? But, you know, it went through this whole kind of self-reflection of, you know, I encouraged her to do something that then caused her to be killed. And yeah. so how do we, and then he withdrew and he stopped, you know, and, and it was his friends that kind of came back to him and said, you know, if you withdraw now and you stop the essence of who you are. And I think that's a lot of, I, I am big and I am loud and I am, you know, you do not know that I'm in a room. And over the course of my life, you know, that has that has caused some issues. Imagine that. But and I've gotten but when I get small because I, I look around and I say, Oh not everybody else is big and not everybody else is loud and other people are doing really wonderful things quietly and ooh, that's kinda of boring and dull, but I guess that you know and so I try to stop who I am naturally. Then it just the clog, you know. I'm a I'm a I'm a artery that's clogged, you know, and so it's kind of like the essence of who I am is this thing that is sometimes rather obnoxious. But it in the I think as a whole it's good, <laughs> and I think we all have an expression that is uniquely us. And if we try to be uniquely someone else, she's trying not to laugh now. See, that's what she normally does. Is she tries not to laugh. Last week was the time she wasn't able to sustain not laughing but don't you think that we're ex- uniquely expressing and 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 we are all different in that that there's not one unique uniformed answer tracy brown speak now yes without laughing <laughs> without laughing i agree with you 100 percent. i i believe that we all have a range within that we have our dominant natural authentic self and we have a range within to choose and behave and act in different situations with different people that we all have the skill to do that, the ability to do that. And that um, our being authentic in sharing who we are and being authentic in being love in the world is unique to each one of us. Um, but I don't believe it's a... You know, I don't think it's a battle and a competition that I have to do it all my way or all your way or all my way and all the way other people are doing it. I think that when we get into community or when we get into classes or we get into um, events and activities that, yeah, you've got however many people are there, you know, and then you may have some societal guidelines in every culture there are those about, okay, when you go to a movie theater, this is how you behave. Mm. Or when you go to a concert, this is how you behave. 
And when you go to church, this is how you behave. And when you're in school, in class. And so I that's why I think we have that flex. So, you know, you don't act the same way, but it doesn't mean you give up who you are authentically. You simply flex a little bit. And hopefully you're always doing that flexing in the context of, what would love do and how would love show up versus feeling I've got to do this out of obligation or guilt or being um, squished into, you know, a hole that doesn't fit. Mm -hmm. It's not a Tracy-shaped hole. Because that's, I think, when we get into trouble, when I feel like, well, I can't be myself. I can't be myself versus I choose to tone down Temper or ramp right, right, up for right. this meeting or this mm-hmm. class or this situation, um, that, that that's kind of the difference for me. And when we, when we allow ourselves to be, you know, I think a lot of times even awareness of ourselves, you know, me becoming aware was a huge journey of life. And then, like you're saying, make sure that I know that it's my choice of how I am, where I am, but also knowing that there is, I really believe there's a certain kind of, is uh, a certain kind of energy that if I'm not being my authentic self, that I'm blocking a natural energy flow. And if I'm around people who are not energetically being themselves, I can really feel that. You know, it's like you're on a, bumpy ride, there's always bumps or something, but when you're authentically being yourself, there's a smoothness to the energy around us, I think, right or wrong or indifferent, whether I get along with that person or I, you know, enjoy that person, if they are being authentically who they are, I I get, there's a calm energy about it, I think, do you think, I think. Well, I think that we probably are going to have a show soon about authenticity oh, because uh, because of this conversation. Because I think this is really more, I mean, where we're going, where we're, you know, going to with this is really a show about authenticity. And... Um, and there's a whole lot that's bubbling under the, the surface for me. That, mm. But it's like, no, Tracy, I want to come bring this back to how do I connect I this to I love. So I think we're going to do a show. That's what I think. <laughs> I think we're going to do a show in March on uh, authenticity. Um, and, I, and I don't think it's a mistake that authenticity comes out of a thinking about agape love. Because if I am loving everything and everyone, if I believe that God is love, and that I am one with God, and so I am able to love, demonstrate, model, live love in this world, then I'm going to find myself in all kinds of situations where the question becomes, how do I do that? And, you know, how, what does it look like? And what does it sound like if I am showing up as love? And and as you show up as love may look differently than as I show up. I, I, oh, absolutely. It will definitely right. look different. No, you doubt. That's wrong. But just you and me, not you and me, you and me, Tracy and Leslie, but you and me, everyone. And that's another, that book, you know, The Language of Love, 
that's such a powerful book for people, couples or friends or anyone. You know, here's how I express love. It's real interesting. I had a, a partner once that expressed love in a very different way than I received it. And ultimately, it just didn't work. You know, even though I understood as they were doing things, that's how they were loving me. I'm like, oh, no, I want to be loved like this. And, you know, and it was a really interesting kind of time to say, I get, I do get to kind of choose how I want to be loved. And, you know, and even if this person isn't willing to just even sort of a third of the time express it, when I verbalize, you know, this is what I need, I need a card, that's how I want this love to say, you know what I'm saying? And, and it's an interesting thing in terms of how it's expressed. A, we have to communicate how we want it, and B, communicate how we express it. And then C, you know, sometimes it's not a match. And I think that, that that's, that's okay. okay. Yeah, well, what a concept. That was a long time coming for me to see that it was okay to say this just isn't a good match for me. Yeah. But I do think it's expressed differently. And if it's not expressed as I express it, my knee-jerk reaction is to say, oh, that person's so unloving. <laughs> and that's just not right. I just love it a different correct. way. That's right. So here's what um, I'm proposing for our last five minutes since our time is winding down. I'm proposing that I share a few examples of this concept of love from different faith practices, mm -hmm. and then we um, talk about what spiritual practices can help us live our lives in a way that demonstrates, models, activates. Activates. I love that. Agape love. Very good. I, I I I second your your proposal. That's a, yeah. I, uh, yeah. Do it. So um, in Buddhism, there is a text that says, "Treat not others in ways that you yourself would find hurtful." In Islam, there is a passage that says, "Not one of you truly believes." until you wish for others what you wish for yourself. Oh, I like that. I love that one. It's one of my favorites. Uh, in one of the Native American traditions, it says, we are as much alive as we keep the earth alive. Mm. And I like that oh, one because yeah. it's not just how we treat people. Yeah. It's how we treat the the earth, the things, mm -hmm. the creatures, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of stuff. And um, in the Unitarian tradition, there is a guideline that says, we affirm and promote respect for the interdependent web of all existence of which we are a part. Mm. And let's see if I'm going to pick one more. In Judaism, what is hateful to you do not do to your neighbor. This is the whole Torah. All the rest is commentary. Mm. What is hateful to you, do not do to your neighbor. So if, if you know, no matter the tradition, this acting from love, acting as love, is a core principle, a core expectation, a core guideline. And so um, we always try to do, if this is your first time listening in, we always try to do throughout the show some spiritual practices of things you could do. And um, so we'll end today with that. Um, ooh, 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 I have one. Okay, okay, what is it? 
I'm thinking I must have been an American Indian in a past life because that so resonated with me. And I I don't kill bugs, and you know this. I you know I will trap them and save them and put them in the backyard. I don't ever. The only thing I usually kill is fleas because I think they're harming the cats. But I really have this this visceral 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 reaction to when somebody smashes a bug because that is living. It's breathing. It's an essence. Or even, you know, treating a tree or a flower or stepping on a, you know, I have this physical reaction to it. And so a spiritual practice could be... I was going to say, okay, so... So a spiritual practice practice is is the idea of of having this sense of of, uh, kindness or generosity or essence for all things living even if it's not living in human form. I just really, I think there's some sort of spiritual practice in, you know, assessing how I'm going through my day. If I'm going through it kind of like a bulldozer, you know, stepping on the flowers, stepping on the bugs. I mean, just metaphorically, in the spiritual practice of being really aware of where am I walking, what am I doing, what, you know, what is this action rippling out as. So the spiritual practice of being aware and then, acting in that awareness, asking the question, what would love do if we did that for a week? Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. Um, and in addition to both the things that we often talk about, you know, meditation, journaling, etc., um, you know, one of the things that I do is, is I will, in a typical week, at least three times in a typical week, I will either do live streaming online with Agape Spiritual Center, one of their live services, or another spiritual center. Oh, you watch it. Is that what live streaming means? (laughs) Yeah. So I'll watch watch it. it. I'll be at home, maybe Ah. I'm doing email, or maybe I'm writing notes, or or I'll just... So I'll watch watch it. Yes. Not just for... Not because it's entertainment, but because it's a reminder of yes. for me midweek or, you know, I've had a really hard day. I'll come if it's not live streaming. I may go to a church on, you know, a church's website and watch their last talk. Nice. Because if I've yeah. had a, you know, if I've had mm-hmm. a tough day, I need to get reconnected to this idea that I am a, bene- I choose to be a beneficial presence mm-hmm. in this world. And so I need to hear what this minister or this speaker had to say about that. Yes. Um, and then, yeah, that question, what would love do, asking that. And, of course, what I hope is that our listeners would feel that they could go to Blog Talk Radio and pull up yes and go to our archives and find a specific uh, recording from a previous show and listen to that as a spiritual practice to get grounded again, to get reconnected to this fact that all there is is love. And having spiritual conversations with those in your life to sit down and say, hey, I, I heard the show or I listened to the sermon and here's what I got out of it. I think it's a huge spiritual practice to have spiritual conversations with people that we're around every day. I agree. And our time is up. So we want to thank you for joining us for Say Yes to Spirit. We hope you'll join us again. Next week we'll be talking about uh, erotic love, eros oh, love, definitely coming that. Way. Uh, and how do we welcome that into our lives, and how does it affect us?
So thanks for joining us, and until we meet again, say yes, yes to spirit. spirit.